Welcome to Innovative Legal Leadership, the podcast where you'll hear from the world's most innovative general counsel and their leadership teams for their insights into the running of a Fortune 500 in-house legal department. The challenges, the wins, the roadblocks, the journey to date, and most importantly, what lies ahead. Let's get into the show. Hello, listeners. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Mary O'Carroll. I'm sure many of you will know Mary or of Mary. She is one of really the founding members of the legal operations industry. So we speak to Mary about her her career before she got to Google to head up the legal operations department there, what she found when she got to Google, and what she tells us she didn't find data, certainly not the kind of data she experienced working in a law firm beforehand, and also the role that she played as a founding member of CLOCK, Corporate Legal Operations Consortium, one of the most significant industry bodies in the legal operations field. So it's a fantastic story. I really enjoyed it. So in the usual fashion, sit back, chillax, and enjoy the show. Hello, Mary. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to have you on, Mary. I've been looking forward to this episode for a while now, I have to say. So, Mary, I'm going to kick off with a high-level overview of your career, and then we're going to do a deep dive. So I can see that you started investment banking Back in 1998, you had some time at a law firm as a strategy and op manager before you got to Google in 2008, and we're going to do a deep dive there, as their director of operations, tech and strategy and legal. And of course, very recently in April this year, I think you joined Ironclad as the chief community officer. So what a career so far. Mary, congrats on that. I'm sure there's lots to come. Where to start? What I'd like to do is before you got to Google, tell me about your experience, the turning points and kind of what got you there. And if there are any, you know, formative moments before that point, that'd be fantastic. Tell us that part of the story. Great. I think um, as I was growing up, I sort of always knew I wanted to get into business and and investment banking in particular. So that was the goal coming out of college. I studied finance and moved to New York and joined an investment bank, which was a great, great learning experience. I think you get a great baseline for, you know, how businesses work and such, but knew pretty quickly that I wanted to get in more and understand the workings of the business and not just the numbers. So transitioned into management consulting, which was also really great to go into various companies in different types of industries and kind of understand how they work. But then you started feeling like I wanted to see after you gave your recommendation, like see it through. What happened? Yeah, that's right. What happens after? That's kind of what brought me. It's funny, I would say in-house, but I went to a law firm, obviously. So I joined Oric and was working on profitability analysis for the law firm and really in, in an operational role. I mean, I was recruited into finance where I sat for maybe a couple months. And then I, I moved to work for the COO and analyzed profitability for the firms, really helping make business decisions, you know, running uh, analyses on pricing and staffing for different matters, as well as looking at profitability by office and by practice group and a- analyzing just different strategic initiatives that we had. So really enjoyed that. And that's how I kind of fell into the legal world. And from there is when I got a call from Google. And that was, you know, in 2008 to to join Google to do legal operations. So you arrived day one at Google Legal Ops. What do you find? Yeah, I figured it was going to be just like running a law firm, you know, but within a company and same problems, same systems, like I know how to do this. And to my surprise, and I, you know, in retrospect, it seems quite obvious, but to my surprise, a legal department had a very different set 
of challenges, of goals, of systems, of you know clients and such. Yep. And so I actually had to learn a lot from looking at things from a different perspective. And what was really interesting, I think, was finding out that there was absolutely no data. So when mm -hmm. I came from the law firm, you know, being someone who was analyzing profitability, we could really look at every dollar that was, you know, <laughs> tracked in six minute increments, as we know, right, yep. of, of the costs and the revenue and kind of figure out, you know, where, where the money was going and whether we were being profitable. When I got in-house, obviously we were a cost center, right? So you're looking at spend not only for your internal headcount, but the large portion of our spend was with outside counsel. And it was really this black box where- yep. You know, we didn't know where the money was going and, you know, what it was being used for or which firm and which matter and, and for what. The big question that, you know, I kept getting asked was, are we getting good value? And you can tell. Couldn't answer just that really, question. You yeah. have the information. Yep. So, okay. So what are some of the early goals you set for yourself? What were the early priorities then? Presumably to somehow get your hands on that data and start acting on it. Is that right? Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think the first order of business, well, and just to remind ourselves and our yeah. listeners that, you know, at the time, nobody knew what legal operations was. Yep. It wasn't as if it was well defined. And I knew that I had this scope that was going to span technology and process improvement and all these other things that would come later. But in the beginning, it was just this, you know, blank slate and look around for problems, see if you can offer solutions and try and fix things and help the department scale. That was really kind of the job. Right. So is that right? The job description at that time, I suppose you're right, it wouldn't have been, you know, head of legal ops in the way that we know it now. What was it? What What did they say? You've just got to help us run better or tell me about, yeah, yeah what was that? Yeah. I mean, so my uh, general counsel at the time, Kent Walker, he did call it legal operations. Right, okay. So my yep. kind of initial title was legal operations. Yep. But essentially it was Look, we have no processes, we have no policies, we are growing like crazy, and you've just got to help us fix things and yep. scale. Yep. And that was it, putting, putting structure in place and getting a hold of, you know, and so to, to answer your original question, like, yeah. where did I get started? It was at the time trying to understand what was keeping, you know, our GC up at night and where were the big problems that they felt needed to be addressed. And at that time, because of our growth trajectory, it was really about outside counsel spend and getting okay. getting some insights on, in that. And, you know, over time, those initiatives and those focus areas changed. And that's how the scope of the role changed. And we pivoted and, you know, grew. Yep. What were some of the early strategies in relation to the outside counsel spend? Oh, well, we had a lot of low-hanging fruit, you know, having come from a law firm and working on profitability and looking at all the levers. You knew where to look, didn't you, Mary? You knew exactly. <laughs> Exactly where I, to look. Uh, yeah, I knew where all the bodies were buried. So, <laughs> yeah. and, and I knew, you know, I mean, I came from a huge law firm that had a variety of clients all around the world in different practice areas and of different sizes. And so I knew generally how, you know, how the industry worked. It wasn't like if I was going to say Google wanted to do something this way that we were the only people doing it. I kind of knew like every client's asking for this at the law firm. Yeah. I've, I've seen it, right? Going in, you know, establishing standardizing our engagement letters. I mean, we really didn't even have like a process for how to engage firms. Often it happened after you were already working on a deal, right? So low-hanging fruit, like, you know, putting together that process, the billing guidelines, yep. putting together an e-billing system, structuring, how did we define an individual matter? How did we define all the metadata that we wanted to track? How did we want our law firms to bill us such that we could track the data coming in properly, eventually creating reports and dashboards and different different ways of looking at the um, yeah. spend and if you 
sticking with your time at Google, if you look back now, what are you most proud of? Where do you think you really moved the needle? I I think it ties in with just growing, growing the scope of the team and the role. You know, as I mentioned, it was really undefined when I got there. And by the time I left recently, our team was, you know, over 60 people at full headcount. The department had grown from 200 people when I started to over 1,400 around the globe. And so, you know, really allowing and putting all those structures and processes and technologies and people in operations in to allow that department to scale up to where it was at the end of the um, my, my tenure there. And, you know, the other piece that I'm probably most proud of, and this relates, I think, just to my work in in clock in the industry generally, is that I've often said how hard it was to recruit for every one of those people. Because I was like dragging people into this world of legal ops that was undefined and no one had ever heard of and just saying, you're really smart. I know you have a lot of potential and you have a lot of options. Can you come take a chance on this, you know, role that you've never heard of? And let me train you. Let me show you there's actually something there. And it went from, you know, in the beginning, dragging people into the role and and trying to convince them that there was a career path to now people understand that there's a career path and it's not it's not limited you have uh, you know VPs SVPs of legal ops as we saw in the most recent clock institute which i think that that says it all yep yep and anything looking back which you just you didn't quite get as far as you'd hoped to have got at google or didn't quite see an initiative through or or, or perhaps some learnings something that failed that you learned something from? I never got to fix contracts. (laughs) (laughs) And that is, you know, that is something that I've always been really passionate about because in looking at our own department and looking across every other department, right, you know that everyone has this common challenge, which is contracting. And And I really believe that nobody is doing it well, such that, you know, you ask people how your contracting goes and everyone's going to tell you it's, it's not, yeah. optimal and yeah. you know, probably a worse description than that. We had a huge contracting organization and, you know, I just never, we had, we had a homegrown system. We had a lot of internal processes and things that we needed to clean up and never quite got to do that project well. And it was just, it was a beast. And again, something that I really think has a lot of potential. And so really, you know, part of the reason that I was excited about kind of moving into the space where, I think we can actually make a big impact across all companies, you know, by fixing the contracts process. And, and what about the personal learning story there? What did you learn in the, in that part of your journey, which which kind of surprised you, for example, that you wouldn't have expected at the beginning of your time at Google? That's a good question. I think, you know, maybe put it another way, like what would I what would I change or do differently or tell myself, right? Yeah. And, and that's yeah. I spent a good amount of time. Being very cautious. I think I cared a lot about, you know, your, the review, performance reviews and, you know, getting promoted. And and that, you know, to be honest, limited us in the risks and, right. you know, what I think I was willing to push to do. And I know that for myself that, you know, after I got promoted, I felt much more willing to kind of take risks and say, yep. I, I believe in this very strongly. You know, leadership may not, but you got to trust me on this, and we're gonna we're gonna try this, and we're gonna do this. And I kind of wish that I was more willing to do that, you know, earlier in my career. Yeah. I, I think I learned that along the way, and it just took it took maturity and growing up and 
you know, that's where I, where I grew up. Yeah, not too many people end up saying, oh, look, I was too bold early. It's you. It's usually I was a little bit more cautious, hesitant, or wasn't sure whether I could. So, yeah, that's a common theme I hear yeah, quite a yeah. bit, be a bit more bold. Yeah, I mean, and this is, you, you know, this is an industry that is change resistant. And so you, you see that from, you know, whether you're going to push up against the law firms or you're going to push up against your internal teams and the way that things have always been done and, yeah. you know, just trying to convince folks that something is broken is is often, you know, a challenge enough. You're not suggesting that legal is change resistant, are you, Mary? <laughs> I haven't heard that before. I would, I would never say anything <laughs> of course so crazy. Not, no. <laughs> All right, let's switch gear a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about your journey in Clock Corporate Legal Operations Consortium. Tell us a little bit and take us right back to the start, the birth of Clock. What what it was like back when the organisation first formed in those early days. I'd be interested to hear that. Yeah, it was a fantastic group. So, you know, thinking back and now, obviously, my, my full-time role is dedicated to building communities. Yeah. And so I, I think about the value that it led lent me personally. So as we talked about the legal operations role, it was very, you know, not well-defined. We were all kind of paving our own ways within our own companies, trying to figure it out. There was no guidebook. There were no other people that I was aware of, you know, that were in these made-up roles. And so when, uh, you know, a few of us found each other in Silicon Valley, which was where Clock was born, it, it's interesting that, like, I, I, my immediate reaction was there, there couldn't possibly be other people who have this job yep. because this job was made up, right? Yep. So yep. We, we found each other. And from the first day we all met, I think I remember just feeling this sense of connection, like you finally found your people. And yes, they, they're all doing day in and day out exactly what you do. And what a sense of relief that you're not alone in all this. And that is that birth and that importance of that sense of community, yep. right? And that I think there was just a perfect time and need for that to come together. Of course, that was the early days. And over time, more and more people joined until 2016. We just had so many folks that we realized we had to become a, a real, you know, association and uh, organization. But even in, in those early days, let's say 2016, 17, I imagine, and certainly from my own personal experience, which I'm going to share on this podcast, I imagine you are running it very much still effectively like a startup and and let I can let's tell the audience about how we met so it was I think early 2017 shortly before that I just founded Pursuit so a legal tech company and I'd done my research and I found this organization and it was called Corporate Legal Operations Consortium and it had a website and a number of individuals who who looked like my target audience and I thought to myself this is interesting and look at that they're going to be in Las Vegas in I think it was April 2017 so let me call up and let learn a bit more about it. So I called, I was in Australia, called the US and I'm expecting, of course, an answering machine, recorded message. And I hear this, hello, Mary O'Carroll. And I said, hello, Mary. Is that, that's, yeah. <laughs> and, and so literally you answered the phone when I called back there in 2017, shocked me. And then we, uh, and that's how we met. And, and certainly I got the impression that you are running clock like a startup. The CEO uh, yes. of the legal tech company is calling and then the, the founding member of clock is answering. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was my personal cell phone that was listed on the Oh, website, is that right? It was a cell phone. You know, and it was, well, so the story actually, I'll tell you the inside scoop, which is, it's just hilarious that like, we we didn't intend. We you couldn't have 
you know, if you told us it was going to get to where it is today, back in those days, we wouldn't have believed you. We just thought, hey, there's a lot of interest. Maybe we should make this an organization and an association and other people will join and find us and we'll get together. And so we incorporated in January of 2016 and we thought, hey, let's let's throw together a conference. Let's bring all these people together and make them feel like, you know, this community and we'll have it in, in San Francisco because we were all based here. And so uh, my sister had gotten married at the Westin St. Francis. So I knew that hotel really well. I called them up. This was I mean, it was still January and we thought, oh, we can we can probably do this in a few months. So we gave ourselves like 12 to 14 weeks to put together a conference. I call up this hotel and I said, yeah, um, I'd like to have a conference there. And, yeah. you know, we knew nothing. We knew nothing yeah. about throwing yeah. together a conference, but we were a bunch of operations people. So, you know, it was going to get executed well. And I just remember the woman on the other side saying, you know, do you have a website? Do you have an email domain? Yep. Do you have a bank account <laughs> yeah. for this organization? And we said, yeah, no, not yeah. yet. We are incorporated, but we don't have any of those things. And she was like, I'm, I, this is a big hotel. We can't just like hold you the space until you have all these things or you give us a lot of money. And so I put it all on my personal credit card. Is that right? Oh, <laughs> that's exactly what a founder does. They, That's yeah. right. They pay it out of there and hope to God they're going to get it back somehow. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And we have a, we had a shared, you know, mint account where you track the finances in, in our family. And I just remember my husband going, what <laughs> is this charge? Yep. I said, I don't know. Don't worry about it. Well, we'll get this back. Don't worry about yep. it. It's just a loan. Yeah. <laughs> So it really, it really was run like a startup. Yep. And then, you know, when I became president in 2017, 18, can't remember now, yep. but that, that was when I felt like we had to really put structure in place and, you know, an executive director and a team to, to scale and run the organization because, you know, we all had full-time jobs as well. Yep. That's the part that I could never quite work out, Mary. How on earth did you handle having a full-time job at Google and building the clock community. I could never work out how on earth you would have enough time in the day to, to handle both. What are your strategies? What are your secrets around managing that kind of workload? I think that the clock part never felt like work. Yeah. It was really energizing and really fun. And so that I never thought of it as having, you know, all this work to do. Like my, my day job was absolutely work and the clock side was fun. It was building something and you just, yeah, you find time for things that you enjoy. And so it wasn't, it wasn't a burden at all. And I, I loved it. And, you know, to be honest, and people ask me now about their career journey and, and you know, why ironclad and part of me thinks, you know, I got so much energy from building this uh, on the side and finding how much I got, you know, enjoyment from that. So that's uh, part of part of why I want to go build build something now. Yep. Well, I was going to one of my, one of my questions was going to be, what are you going to miss the most from Clock? And it sounds like your answer might be, I'm going to let you answer, but it's going to be around community, and that's what you're looking for at Ironclad. Have I got that right? Yeah, I mean, I miss. I, I will tell you, it, walking away from clock was really, really difficult. And and you know, I, I feel strongly that it's in a great place. And I never would have even considered, you know, leaving clock if if it wasn't in an amazing place. And Mike Haven's going to be and is already a fantastic president. But yeah, that was you know, like I said, it was the enjoyable part of my life and something that I really cared about really deeply. And I will, I already do miss it a ton. But it's absolutely right. It's it's like it's our people, it's our yeah. community, and. and and those connections that that we've made over the time. And well, the nice thing is that even now that I'm at Ironclad, I am building a community and it's it's a lot of the same people, right? It's the same target that community I'm building now is going to be focused on 
the future of digital contracting. And a lot of the folks who are passionate about that happen to be legal operations professionals. Yep, yep. From your own kind of personal career journey, what was it that, that made you ultimately decide, you know what, I've had a fantastic run, I've been president, I've built this organization, I'm going to move on now. Why was it time, why was it right for you to, to move on to, to the next challenge? Yeah, I thought about that a lot because it wasn't as if I was looking, you know, for a, for a new role and it wasn't like I was itching to get out or anything. I was at the top of, you know, for legal operations, you're at the top of the game, right? And I think part of me was thinking, okay, where where could I go from here? Because you have to always ask yourself, what are your options, right? And I don't think that I would have wanted to go do legal operations anywhere else. And legal operations is my passion. And so that kind of put me in a no nowhere, nowhere to go except like continue to build the amazing things that yep. you're working on. Yep. I will say that, you know, as a tangent, Ironclad has been a company that I've had my eye on for some time, you know, really since 2016 when I met the founders, Jason and Kai, and thought it was an incredible vision that they had, incredible product and company. And the people that I've met over the years have been really outstanding. In addition to that, you know, over the years, you find that the Ironclad customers are just really unique in that they go out of their way to tell everyone how great their experience is and how much they love Ironclad. And, you know, for those of us who are in the legal ops and legal tech world, you don't, you know, you don't get that. that (laughs) You get quite the opposite, right? A lot of people just kind of commiserating over their, you know, shared terrible experiences. And so that stood out to me. And then over the last year during COVID, you know, I was following a lot of the demos as Google was looking at Ironclad, watching the, the things that were being developed and continued to think, oh, wow, like this this is the company that's really going to transform the way we do contracting. And that leads to transforming the way businesses work overall. And it just like the timing was perfect in that, you know, they approached me with this role. And again, if I had to, you know, guess that this would happen, I never could have because I would not have thought I'm going to go pursue a, a role in community, but it was my people, right? It was legal operations. It was community in the sense that I loved building that and like got so much energy from that. And it was a company that I think has an incredible, incredible future. And so all those things when it was presented to me was this sort of aha moment of this is an obvious thing to do. Like, how could I possibly not do this? And as much it was, you know, difficult to walk away from an amazing team and people at Google and clock, this is the right thing for me right now. I remember back in 2016, you offered some advice about strategies to legal departments around the world and three key points, starting small on the initiative, considering the cloud and getting buy-in from the various stakeholders. Has that changed now when if you'd offer the same advice, would you offer the same advice today or has something changed in the last four or five years? Yeah. I, you know, that sounds familiar, yeah. but I don't, I don't remember <laughs> okay. giving that all advice. Right. It's just part of my, part of my research. Advice. That's all part of my research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On the one hand, I'm like, yeah, those are good yeah, points. <laughs> that's, you know, that's good advice. But the cloud thing is funny because, yeah. you know, I can't imagine you don't Correct. go cloud that, now. That's right. The time I, has I, passed, I, right? Yeah. The other thing that surprises me a little is that I'm a little bit of a go big or go home kind of person. And so the the fact that I said start small, you know, I get that as back then we were trying to make headway and prove ourselves in legal ops and prove that technology had a place in a legal department. I think so much has changed and people are bought. And in fact, you know, the year of the pandemic has really forced legal departments to be hungry for more technology and are like actually 
seeking it out instead of having legal ops try to sell it internally. So I think my focus or my advice has really been about, okay, if you're going to pursue legal technology, you know, I have some principles that I've been saying, you know, it's got to be really easy to use. It has to be better than what it was before. And you've got to focus on adoption and data because data is, is why you put tech in. But I certainly think there is something in in the early days, at least starting small, but I think you're right. I think the, the community, the wins, the whole legal ops cycle that we've been through in the last five years, I think that has provided the kind of the infrastructure and the courage for us to actually go go a bit stronger than mm-hmm. you know, rather than necessarily starting small. So I think there's certainly something in that. Anything, I have a myth, a myth buster question that I often like to ask, is there anything which is accepted wisdom in the legal ops world, which you think is a myth you'd like to break open here on the show? So it's such a such a great question. <laughs> and there's a lot of things. My mind is actually going in a few oh, different right. directions. But what I'm focused on these days is is contracting, right? And I think there are so many things about contracting that we assume to be fixed, to be unchangeable, to be the way it must be. And that really aren't. And I and I really believe that, you know, in the next five years, which is why I'm here, those are going to be completely upended. So, for example, you know, and I've said this before, the idea that a contract is a document, that is something that's fictitious. A, a contract can be forged anywhere. It can be a website. It can be an email. It can be, you know, visual pictures and such. It doesn't have to be these, you know, things that look like Word documents in a PDF the way that we've compose them, right? They can be digital terms. And I think that's where we're going in the future. The other piece of that contracting is the myth is that it needs a signature, right? And nowhere in the law does it say you have to have this squiggly line on the bottom of this piece of document that is formatted in this way. And I think we're moving away from that mode of acceptance again in next few years, I think it's going to start to look pretty different. And there are different acceptance modes that are more digitally native, like ClickWrap. And, and we've recently acquired a company that does that. And I think I have learned so much about that in the last couple of months, having joined Ironclad. Yeah. And I just think it got incredible potential to disrupt the way we are doing business right now. So that for me is, uh, I'm going to I'm gonna be pushing that one and I want to watch that unfold. Tell me, Mary, if you had your time again, your career, is there anything that you do differently? Yeah, I would. Uh, I would learn more things. I would have learned to code. Uh, yeah, I would we have all learned, say that. Yep, um, I've got that one on my yeah, list too. Yeah, I would have learned more <laughs> yep. data analytics. I would have learned all these languages that, uh, you know, I think yep. <laughs> I think if I were to go back into the work pool and try and get a job, would be would be hard for yep. me now. <laughs> yep, yep. And what about time you've spent worrying in the past that, on reflection, has not been time well spent? What have you worried about too much? I think what I mentioned earlier, you know, what what other people will think, yeah, how it okay. will affect my reviews, how how you know it might cause friction, and and people think that I'm pushing things too much. And you know, we've all we've kind of all been in that place where you know you, you're you're trying to make change, and you're told stand down yeah. or go go talk to a different team. Everything here is fine, and you've got to play that politics a little bit in a large organization. Which I think you have to, you know. And I, I was going to say, there's that. always it's it's hard not to do. I mean, to get your way. Yeah. Ultimately, every yeah. organization has a level of politics, and it's just. And I think a skill is just being able to navigate it. I think yeah. what you might be saying is na- navigating, but being bold in the way that you're navigating, perhaps. Yeah, I, I think that's yeah. right. I think that's yeah. right. Mary, final question: What are you most proud of today? 
personally and professionally? I am most proud. I think that's an easy one of the work that we've done at Clock and the the fact that legal operations is here, it is defined, it is appreciated, it has impact, it is viewed as a senior level strategic role, and it's emerging all across the world. I mean, this last year has been so incredible, you know, terrible for many reasons, but incredible from the stance that I've been able to participate in events all around the world in places that, you know, I wouldn't have normally had the time to fly to. And the fact that there are you know, people in China and in New Zealand and in Africa, you know, that are interested in legal ops and want to learn more and connect and find out how to get it off the ground is this incredible feeling, you know, that it, this was all of us saying, this is a job that is was made up. And it's funny, my so my daughter, she just graduated from fifth grade. So she's going to middle school next year. And one of the things about this generation, so she's the tail end of Gen Z, as they call it. And they say, you know, 50% of the jobs that Gen Z ha- will get will be jobs that don't currently exist, right? So when you ask them, what do you want to do when you grow up? It, it They can't possibly know. And my daughter was the one who pointed out to me that my last couple jobs have been these made up roles that, you know, yeah, that didn't, that didn't exist before. And there is a beauty in that. Like, you know, and I love that the the job that I have now, I'm, I'm one of the very few chief community officers that currently exist. And that is also going to explode, but it gives you this wonderful opportunity to define it, to forge that career and that profession for others and to take risks. And that for me is really fun. That's actually a good statistic. I might use that with my 21 year old, my youngest, who's stressed a little bit now and she won't be listening. So she won't mind or she won't know anyway, (laughs) stressed about what is she going to do with her life? You know, she's doing a couple of degrees and, but I might actually quote that statistic back to her, say, don't worry, 50% of the jobs out there when you do get out there um, are not going to actually exist so it's fine not to know what you're going to do with your life i like that that's actually a great stat yeah well i i didn't you know i didn't know what i wanted to do with my life and it all just kind of worked out out. (laughs) and do you do anything to relax is there any any hobbies anything that which is not i I don't know where you're going to squeeze it in but anything that's not work related yeah well i have three girls three daughters who take up a lot of my time and and my spend a lot of time with them and the family but my uh my release i guess is if you will is is the gym and working out so i i just joined a gym this week for the first time and working out with humans for the first time in 16 months which i gotta tell you Number one, my body hurts, but number two, oh, yeah, felt that's so bad. good <laughs> to be Now, now back that out I there. recall, Mary, I do remember crossing you in the gym during one or two of the annual clock sessions. I do remember uh, that. That does ring well. a bell. That it does, does ring, ring a bell. bell. Yeah. Mary O'Carroll, <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Jim. It's been a pleasure. Fantastic. Bye bye for now. Thank you, listeners, for tuning into the show. For more, please subscribe to the show in your favourite podcast player. If you or someone you know would make a great guest on the show, please connect with me, Jim, the host of the show, via email, jim at pursuit, P-E-R-S-U-I-T dot com. We'd love to hear from you.